Hi there, Lauren and I were just talking about how much fun it was to have legendary Napa Valley winemaker Tom Rinaldi on the show. That was fun. He was good, he was good. I don't like to give spoilers, but uh, if you listen to the show, guess what he did afterwards, after we stopped recording? He ate the donut. He did. <laughs> Giving away a little something. Tom's great, he's been making wine in the valley for decades. He's a funny guy, a fun guy, a great perspective. Really enjoyed having him in. I know you're going to enjoy the show. So before we get to it, though, I do want to invite you to come visit us at our family's winery, Judd's Hill. Lauren always has a good time there. I do. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. Uh, visiting information is at judshill.com. And while you're on our website, you can peruse the fun videos. You can look up recipes to pair with our wines. And, of course, you can, well, look at all the wines that are available. Put some of those wines in your cart and type in coupon code. Do you remember the coupon code? J-N-V-S in lowercase letters. And what do you get by doing that? And you get 15% off your entire wine order. That's right, Lauren Mole. And if you'd like a better deal than that, well, you can join our wine club. I think it's the best in Napa Valley. We'll guarantee you a good time. You get to try our wines. You get invited to great events. Other great perks coming your way. Tons of fun, to be sure. Now, let's enjoy the show. We shall. Everyone's a Finkel friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa. Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. And now, live from the KVON studios in the Napa Valley, it's time for another edition of Judd's Napa Valley Show. Uh, this is uh, Bill Clinton filling in for Lord Bowl because I'm here buying some wine and doing some campaign for Hillary. And now, here's our host, Judd Finkelstein. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I'm, I'm honored to have that introduction from, well, from a, a president, a former president. We've, I don't think we've ever had a former president in here. We had a former governor. I think Arnold Schwarzenegger came in once. Uh, Morgan Freeman was in here <laughs> once. But first time, so thanks for stopping in. Hey, yeah, glad, glad I could, Judd. I'm sure Hillary's probably listening too right now. Okay, well, give her our best. You know, on your way out, I know you've got to go because you're on the campaign trail. Uh, if you see Lauren Mole out there, uh, I know he's running a little late, so I do appreciate you stepping in. Would you would you send him in, Mr. President? Will you send him in on your way out? That that I will. Okay, thank you. Wow, I'm speaking to my guest now. We have haven't had a proper introduction, but wasn't that amazing? We had uh, President Clinton in here. He looked good too. He's uh, yeah. He's, um, looks like he's ready for uh, four more years. <laughs> four more years. Hey, uh, oh, Lauren Mole. Hey, did uh, you did you hey, see who hey, was Jack, here? Yeah, sorry, I'm a little late. Did you see who was just here? Yeah. I can't believe who just... Inter- I mean, I'm sorry to have missed you, but that was quite an honor to have uh, uh, the president here. It, it was. Yeah, yeah. Such an honor. So you saw him on the way. Well, anyway, I'm glad you made it. How you been? What's been going on this past week? Well, I, I've been good. Uh, I did, of course, to celebrate Valentine's Day and, and yesterday, uh, President's Day. And what did you do for all this celebrating? Uh, I worked. Oh. I worked at Rayleigh's. I've got a bone to pick with you, Lauren. I went to Rayleigh's. I went to a movie last night, got to Rayleigh's. I don't know, kind of on the late side. It was after nine. You were not there. I expect you to be there every single time I walk in that door. I mean, how courteous of a courte- courtesy clerk are you when you're not even there for me, your, your loyal friend, 
and host of this show, and you didn't even have the, the, the decency to be working when I walked in last night. Well, I just have to go by whatever times they give me on, on my schedule. It's shameful. Who do I need to call over there uh, to make sure you're there every time I walk in? Uh, you know, I'm well, giving you a hard time. I'm giving you a hard time. But I did, go, I, I, I did have a nice experience there, even though you weren't there. It would have been elevated had you been in the store. But, so I'll look forward to my next visit and seeing you. Well, well that's good. Yeah. So, what, so what's going on? You said you celebrated by, by working. Well, technically, yes. You threatened me last week to go to Applebee's for your Valentine's dinner. Did well, you make it over there? Well, sadly, no. You didn't. <laughs> we wish that we did, but we had other plans. Okay. Well, I hope they were fun plans. Oh, they were. Good. You don't have to share them here. Oh, no. No, I would never do that. Why not? It's just us. Yeah, well. Yeah, no, one's, no, no one else is here. You can, you can tell, tell me what you did on Valentine's Day. Don't go there. It's okay. No, no. Some things are best kept oh, to yeah. yourself. So, uh, yeah, so what's been going on with you, Judd? Anything going on? Well, we did, winery, well, we did have our Valentine's Day spectacular on Valentine's Day. Well, that's it's good. It's our annual um, party, pickup party on, on Valentine's Day. It's not usually on Valentine's Day itself. It's uh, often nearby, but since Valentine's Day was on a Sunday, we had it on. And it was great. Folks came and, and um, had a good time. We had all kinds of uh, treats and surprises and massages and chocolate and good stuff. Right on. Yeah. Now what do I got? I don't know. I'm going to just enjoy the beautiful weather. Entertain the fine folks who come through the door at Judd's Hill. That's my thing. That's you know, understandable. We're very highly rated on TripAdvisor. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying that. that out loud so people can hear that and know they're going to have a great experience. I'm, I'm sure they will. We also take part in the Napa Valley Vintners Association's Napa Neighbors Program. So all the locals listening, come on in. Show us your uh, Napa Valley idea or that you're a resident of Napa County. And guess what? Um, I don't like the word free. Complimentary tasting for you. There might even be a little discount on top of that if you want to buy something. But come on in. Give us a ring at 707-255-2332. Extension 2. Make an appointment. Come see us at Judd's Hill, located on the south end of the Silverado Trail in the beautiful Napa Valley. In the state of California. In the United States of America. That's right. Lauren Mall, we have an absolute legend sitting with us here in the studio today. Oh, we do. Yeah, he made a brief comment about uh, President Clinton being here. I don't know if you heard that. So he's already been on the air, but we haven't given him a proper introduction. Well, it's time that we revealed his identity. Let's do that. Let's talk about him. And uh, why don't you work in his main claim to fame uh, at the end of your intro? Do you mind? That I will do. All right, thanks. A legend from here to New Guinea. His vintnering skills are grand and not many. His wines are da bomb. So let's welcome Tom, whose wife is the fabulous Bev Kitty. <laughs> That's right. That's Tom Rinaldi, legendary winemaker of Napa Valley, but known throughout the community as Mr. Beverly Kinney as well, who I was hoping would be here today with you, but, uh, but she couldn't make it, huh? Yeah, we had some uh, grandkid issues this weekend, so uh, oh. uh, that that kind of clouded up the uh, the early morning ride down to to Napa. But uh, all's well. She oh. she wishes you well. Okay, well, thanks. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of her. She, gosh, I've known her. I'm trying to think, she was at Saint Helena Elementary School in the media center there. RLS for and 38 years. Well, I'm <laughs> saying, well, yeah, a long time. I'm, but I met her when I was at Saint Helena, and then when I got to middle school, Robert Louis Stevenson, RLS. She was my teacher as well, and I'm sure she'd have some great stories. I should just have her on as a guest. I exactly. Think be a, I think she'd be a, 
She'd be a hoot and a holler. And you could come back too. I think oh, that'd be fun you. to have the two of you. We've got a great dynamic when the two of you are together, which, which is a good thing when you're married to somebody to have a... Anyhow, let's talk about you, sir. Tom Rinaldi, those who are into wine and wine savvy already know your name. Those who may not should know your name because not only a great winemaker, but a fun guy. Always enjoy running into you at different events and, and uh, hanging out. But let's talk about who you are. Folks. Always licked that term, uh, fun guy. Fun guy. You're a fun <laughs> Especially guy. Especially in the wine business. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, the real winemakers are the yeast, but we take the credit for converting sugar into alcohol. But uh, I, yeah, well, this 2015 harvest was uh, an interesting, challenging one, and it was my 40th Napa Valley harvest. This was 40. Yeah, number 40. And no, no two are the same, as you know, with whatever number you have, they they never they never match up to some other year, and so it's a, no. a unique experience every time around. You know, I've I've heard winemakers say it's almost become like a cliche at different events, and someone says, "Hey, how was the how's your last harvest?" and and I say it sometimes, and I hear other people say, it, "Oh, just like last year, totally different." that's good i like that everyone is different and then if you ask what's the best harvest you've ever done it's always your upcoming one to 2016 because you're going to work on your past experiences to make even better i love that i haven't used that line yet but i i think i will you know why not why would you be in it for so long if you don't think you're going to improve it the next year exactly and and we have a lot of talent coming in and in and out of the valley uh mostly coming in and sticking around and the the kids are wonderful. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, I feel like a mentor, and I've had mentors, and they're they're crucial to our business. They're crucial to our success and our future. Well, there's no doubt. Let's talk about um, let's go back in time. Let's talk about the past instead of the future. For now, we'll get into the future. But I want to know who you are. What 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 your deal is? You know, I know you as the winemaker. That's how I met you. But you haven't always been a winemaker you must have been a little kid at some point uh, before you got into wine where, where do you come from where did you grow up what's your background? I was born and raised in San Francisco a local guy yeah and I went to SI and as soon as I got out of uh, St. Ignatius High I joined the military I went huh. into the Navy in 1967 and stuck around until 1971 got to fly in airplanes helicopters all kinds of cool things that, and that was an interesting time there in the late 60s to be in the military where, indeed did yeah you, I did. I went to uh, Vietnam, and uh, I'll be going back again in 2018. It'll be my 50th anniversary. Um, and I don't believe they'll have a Tet Offensive this time around, but uh, Were you involved it in was that? pretty exciting. Yes, I was. What, 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 I was up you, north. Uh, we used to fly between Hainan and Haiphong for 18-hour missions uh, way up north, and we were stationed in initially Chulai, but we lost the base, and then it was Da Nang, mm. and then Fubai, and Hue. We were, um, we were very familiar with those territories, yeah. and uh, got some vivid memories, I'll say that much, of the, especially the, the green there, and the, and the aromatics, and the, actually the, the water, it was just really? uh, it was very memorable. You mentioned aromatics, so your nose was already attuned to, <laughs> to, sm- to, to smelling things, your environment, that serves you well now, and you're yeah, unfortunately, a lot of times it was diesel, but uh, oh, well, those <laughs> it was also the uh, See, the I'm aromatics picture. of the of the, the the palm trees and the uh, and, and just the greenery. Yeah, tropical flowers, I'll bet. Yeah. Um, okay, so you go you go to Vietnam. You're are you there all four years of your? Yes, on and off. On and off, back uh, and forth. Yeah. Did the military do anything to put you on the your current path in any way? Yeah, GI Bill. Okay. It, it really was. Uh, 
very helpful for me because uh, my parents did not want me to be taking malting and brewing and uh, viticulture enology. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted me to be a lawyer or, oh, really? or a okay. geologist or anything else. <laughs> so it was. Uh, were they was, drinkers or were they, did they appreciate food and wine? They, they appreciated what I would be bringing by, I'll say that much, um, but it was in later years. Uh, oh, okay. Otherwise, we were drinking pretty low-quality wines when I was a youngster. You didn't grow up with it, basically. Well, actually, I have an interesting story about my mother. When she came back, she was pregnant with me. Um, her father asked her how to go, and uh, she said, well, he thinks my iron might be low, and they want to do some more sophisticated tests. And so he said, you ought to drink red wine. That's got all the iron you need. So when she went back to the doctor, he said, well, I don't know what I was thinking. Your, your iron is perfectly fine. It, it's, it's just where it ought to be. And she said, well, my father has me drinking a glass of red wine with dinner each night. And he said, well, whatever you're doing, you keep it up. So right. I like to say that was doctor's orders and it got it in my blood. Uh, yeah, literally it's in your blood. How about that? And I would imagine uh, with your, your background, there must have been some history of family winemaking. Yes, there is. Uh, and a lot of it was very marginal, I'll say that much. We're Italian and Sicilian. And, uh, well, that's it. I've never met anybody with that heritage who didn't have an uncle or a grandpa or a father or themselves who made something in the garage or in the basement. Exactly. Yeah. Part of the culture. So what was your experience with that? Well, much of it is somewhat negative. I'll say oh. that much. There was volatile acidity involved, mm. which is, uh, you know, vinegar. Um, and, and funny bugs uh, like Britannomyces that made it smell like a barnyard. But, uh, you know, sometimes you, 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 had, we, you wouldn't trash the wines. I, I would always say they're interesting mm. or, you know, fascinating or I haven't tried anything quite like that before. But just to try to give a little bit of advice, especially on sanitation and cleanliness and uh, cooperage that hasn't been around the block a few times. Right. And that wasn't part of their regimen. No, no. It was just the buzz. (laughs) All right, so we'll credit your mom, then. We'll credit Uh, your mom for getting you into wine when you were in utero. And I will admit, the educational part, even if it's um, somebody handing down information, uh, is very crucial in in developing uh, a a skill such as making fine wine. It's something I I credit... uh, the university, I went to the university, I graduated, I like to say I graduated in 76, and people go, is that AD or BC? Oh, come on. So, okay. Um, <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> look, it must be the red wine, because if, if that is your age going back, you don't look it. So let's credit the red wine for your youthful exuberance and look. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, so you said you graduated in 76. Yeah, in fact, uh, Mike Martini, Tim Mondavi, uh, Bob Levy, uh, Randy Dunn, all, All kinds guys. of uppercut people in my class. Uh, that was so Davis? That was, yeah, it was UC Davis, yes. So it was a, a fine class, and it was back in the days where it just became enology. Mm. Up until then, it was fermentation sciences, and uh, that included malting and brewing and uh, distillation, um, cottage cheese, food, you name it, <laughs> anything to ferment it. <laughs> and did you study any of that as well? Yes, I did, yeah. yeah. Food uh uh, food science and and brewing were very key um, in um, especially the the uh, sanitation parts of mm-hmm. of winemaking. Those are those are crucial. Yeah, oh, well, there's no doubt. You only want clean cleanliness. You don't want the, the wrong bugs getting in there. Well, what put you on the path? So after you did your duty, Vietnam got out of the Navy. 
how did you end up in Davis thinking this is what you wanted to study? Well, I like to say I met, uh, I was going to be either a medical doctor or veterinarian. And I met a lot of miserable doctors, a lot of happy winemakers. <laughs> so I never really applied. And all the um, prerequisites for getting into medical school or into veterinary school fit well with, with the uh, fermentation science and uh, enology program. So I got to do all the biochemistry, mathematics, physics, you name it. You're a technical guy. Get it out of the way, if you will. But I was, I was also building up a potential career. But I, I got the nod for the, the um, internship at Fremark Abbey in 1976 when Jerry Looper was there. Oh, Jerry, yeah. And it was, um, it was a blessing, to put it mildly. I was, I was there with Rob Davis, a fellow classmate. should give him the credit. He ended up, uh, instead of getting the Fremark Abbey job, he went right to Jordan. He's been there ever since. Okay. So that's a long yeah. time back. Good and, for him. Yeah. So I'm recently, he looks, he looks like the red wine's helping him out, too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll get him in there, too. All right. So, so Fremark Abbey, right out of school, you start there. Correct. And there was a harvest of 1976, which was, it was a, a drought vintage um, that we're kind of getting used to out here in, in California. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a bit of a, ch- a challenge, to put it mildly, but I, I, uh, I learned a lot. I, my, I had no concept of how to take a pump apart and put one together. Uh, so there's on-the-job training that you just don't pick up at the university level. You anticipated my next question. I mean, there's certainly school smarts, and then there's on-the-job smarts. And, and I was going to ask you, what, what did you find surprising? You know, a, a lot of folks come out of college, they feel like, I'm ready, I'm armed. I know everything, and then you get in the situation, and I, this was kind of true for me when I went to work in the field where I had a degree. I was like, wow, I, I thought I knew everything, <laughs> and I'm not sure I know anything. So taking apart a pump was one thing. Any other? Uh... Trying to do three or four things at, at the same time uh, was, was a challenge. Uh, I'll say that much, and, and it always, always paid to listen. Anybody, anybody who'd had experience, you, you just wanted to get their advice and never be afraid to ask a question, too, because you do not want to get it wrong. You, you get it right e- each time, and you don't cut corners. That's, that was the beautiful part about fine wines in, in the Napa Valley, is that we, we were focused on the quality. That was basically all we really cared about. Quantity was not, a, not a, an issue so far, and uh, I think that's important. But I, I'd say maybe the education just gives you uh, the the path and the the know how to get out of trouble, mm. but you can find yourself getting into trouble by not uh, having had some experience, a fair amount of experience. The more experience, the better. Sure, that's all there is to it. So I, I whenever we were mentoring people, we tr- make sure that they got a taste for everything. You don't want to just focus in on bottling or just focus in on uh, pump overs or extractions or lab work. You, you want to get a taste of everything. You need to be a multi-dimensional person to be a, a, a decent winemaker. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. The, there's so many facets that go into this profession. You know, folks ask me, what's your day-to-day like? And I say, there really isn't. And that's one thing I like about it. I'm never stuck doing one thing every day. And thank goodness that when it is bottling, I know that's only going to be for a few days and I can move on to something else. Yeah, I almost got into malty and brewing. I got a very good offer from Anheuser-Busch. Oh, yeah? Uh, initially, yeah, when I was still, you know, working my way through college, I was uh, still a year away from graduating and I got an offer to uh, to be a, a brewer and it sounded very tempting. The, the, the pay was very good, 
But I found out two things. For one thing, I, I knew I'd be doing the same thing every day, every mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. and making it exactly the way they want you to make it and not That's right. put in your own concept or own ideas. No, consistency is key. And number two is go back to St. Louis and get your head screwed on right <laughs> for oh. three years. Oh. No, thank you. They've got a boot camp, huh? Yes, sir. Oh. And I, I can just imagine hearing a, a, a German <laughs> Southern man with a you know, chip on your shoulder about California boy, you oh, know, dear. coming in here. and You probably already went through that once going in the Navy. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another nice thing about the wine business is, as a winemaker, I mean, it, it is an art form. I mean, there's a lot of science. It's that blending of art and science, but you really have a lot of creative freedom at most places. I mean, there are a few spots that want to make the same thing every year. It's usually a larger production, and, you know, it's a known style, but... Uh, for the most part, you get to put your stamp. You can have ideas and experiment and get creative and have some fun with that. Yeah, our famous uh, chef, Thomas Keller, wanted to know how in the heck I could do such a thing. You know, you put your whole career on the line each year. You know, you have a, mm. it's like having a bad movie. Everybody remembers the bad movie. So if you have a crummy vintage, then uh, that's, that's a whole year. And I, and I said, well, you're doing this every night. He goes, yeah, but if we have a tough night on Wednesday. We know darn well we're going to make it up Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're just going to rise to the occasion, but mm. you have a bad year. <laughs> Whoops. I never really thought about it like that. Now, nah, don't now worry gonna, about now it. Now I'm not going to sleep tonight. I'm going <laughs> to have an anxiety attack. Well, um, do what I do. Blame the weather. <laughs> well, absolutely. And that is it. People, I mean, I'm sure you get this question, you know, what was the vintage like? Or I heard that wasn't a good vintage. I just don't believe in bad years, good years. I mean, Every year is different, as we said, and folks who can make wine are going to make wine, and it's going to be good wine. Of course, there's going to be stylistic differences depending on a big factor of the weather, you know, what were the conditions that the grapes were grown in, and you just have to appreciate it on that level. We have a lot of tools at our, at our disposal, too. and they're, they're, Some of them are scientific, but other ones are uh, just to, to take advantage of, of the law, if you will, uh, a good example is 2011 was a relatively weaker vintage compared to 2012, but legally we could add back 5%. So I, I think there were a whole lot of us who took advantage of that legality. Plus, uh, if we call it Cabernet Sauvignon, that's 75% minimum. Mm-hmm. So there's still 25% of things like Petit Verdot and these other you know monsters, if you will, that you could you could creatively creatively <laughs> add and uh and and just develop a an overall wine we have plenty of time especially cabernets we have more than a year a year and a half to to develop them to to let them take advantage of of the fine oaks that are available and and the toasting levels and to to blend oxidize or not oxidize to just to make a wine that's um, does have our stamp on it it's all part of the artist palette. You are the artist. Yes, it's it's great, and and it's uh, it's a thrill and it's an honor to to have such such a, a, an abundance here in Napa Valley as we do, and our problems don't match uh, many of the other parts of the world's problems. Uh, when whenever we are complaining about some something, I'll get a eye roll from someone f- from a, a different region. They're just saying, uh, <laughs> "That's you got it made." And isn't that nice? It is nice. <laughs> I love that. So you've been 40 years, 40 years in Napa Valley making wine. Aside from this vintage being different from that vintage, uh, stylistic differences, 
I'm sure you've seen a shift just in general how wines are made in those 40 years. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, my first vintage was the year they did the, the tasting, the judgment in Paris. Oh, so yeah, that's right. That put us on the map. That mm-hmm. gave us, uh, you know, honest to God, um, authenticity, if you will, you know, that we, uh, we're as good as anybody in the world. So we, we took pride in that. My first vintage w- with Duckhorn is head winemaker was the first vintage for that winery, and it was a spectacular year, 1978. Yeah. And it was a gorgeous vintage. I mean, everything was just ideal. And then the next vintage, sure enough, 1979, it rained and rained and rained. We brought mm. in the Merlot and some Cabernet Francs and so forth early, but then when the rains came, we didn't bring any Cabernet Sauvignon, and we didn't make a Cabernet Sauvignon that year. Oh, so you if just that didn't had make been it. our first vintage, we would have been toast pretty much. Uh, yeah, we, we really just bit the bullet. Um, the sugars never came up to what yeah. they should be. Yeah. And then 1980 was similar to a, one of the hot vintages. It was very, very hot, and the, the, the grapes tended to become raisins very early so we were scrambling to put it mildly to bring in just the the ideal fruit and that was the first vintage i can recall that we started being very careful about sorting fruit Mm. making sure that uh we didn't allow raisins and didn't allow even stems to get into the mixture um so that's become the norm if you will Uh, so much of the sorting of the of the fruit uh, before you even get started, keep it out of the soup before, you know, you have to find yourself dealing with problems that, you know, were, were available, were um, easily removable early in the, in the life of the wine. Yeah, there's some winemakers, wineries invest untold thousands in these, you know, computerized optical sorters that pick out the fruit you don't want. And we're still a little old fashioned. We use people to pick out the fruit we don't want, but but it's I, important. I still prefer people to tell you the truth. You know, I've I've, yeah. I've compared the optical sorters to people, and yeah. if they're as good as they are, and and so many of them are, uh, they're they're the way to fly. Yeah, I, I'm a people person. I like people. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you said that you kind of bit the bullet there. Seventy nine with the was it seventy nine? You said the, yeah. the, the rains and and. It, I just came across, and you always want to put your best, you know, your best wines forward. You, you don't want to come out with something kind of, you know, not so good. You want everything to be wonderful. And I, I was just clearing out a warehouse. We had to move a bunch of wine. And there were these old cases that had written on it. Uh, they're all shiners, no labels on any of the bottles inside, but full bottles of wine with capsules, no labels. And written with a Sharpie on top said, 88 J.H. Cab. So I'm thinking 1988 Judd's Hill Cabernet. Like, well, our first vintage was 89. What is this? Mm-hmm. You know, call my mom from the warehouse. I said, I found, I don't know, about 10 cases of this wine. This is what, what it says. Did we make any wine in 88? And my mom said, well, yes, we did. We made a couple barrels. That was going to be our first vintage. My family was still at, my dad was still the general manager of Whitehall, and he had just sold it, but... Uh, was making this little Judd's Hill from our other vineyard. And so 88 would have been our first vintage, but he said, wasn't crazy about the vintage. Didn't think the wine was particularly wonderful. Never ordered labels. Didn't put it out there. So 89, you know, we're actually one year older than I than I always thought we were. I found out something about the family. Uh, we opened it, though, to try it. And by gosh, it's good. 
you know, almost 30 years later, a lot of the tannins and acid have been stripped away over the years, but the, there's some nice fruits, some nutty kind of tea. Well, we don't need to get into it, but the point is good. You don't want to put out your put out something that ain't so hot. We got to take a break. I just looked at the clock. I'm having so much fun talking. I haven't been paying attention to the time. So we got Tom Rinaldi, the iconic, legendary, famed winemaker of Napa Valley and fun guy. <laughs> We're going to talk about some of your nuttiness in a little bit. Lauren, what do you think? Let's take a break. We'll be back with more of Judd's Napa Valley show right after these messages. La, 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 la. Judd's Napa Valley show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and streaming live around the world at KVON.com, back to Judd's Napa Valley Show. Thank you, Lauren Mole. Around the world with Judd's Napa Valley Show can be streamed at KVON.com while we're live. And then uh, past episodes can be heard, downloaded, subscribed to as a podcast at the iTunes Store just by typing in Judd's Napa Valley Show, and you can choose a certain episode or just subscribe to them all. Enjoy the fun later on. We're here with who, Lauren? Give him another intro. I, I, love, I love it when you introduce our guests. And now, please welcome back to Judd's Napa Valley Show, world-famous winemaker Tom Rinaldi. It's Tom Rinaldi. Hi, well, Tom Rinaldi. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's great having you. You brought a little something here. It's always fun when folks bring me goodies. Um... I, I love this, by the way. This is something I'm certainly familiar with. You want to tell me why you brought this today and what it means to you? Well, it's The Princess Bride. It's good for adults and good for kids. It's a, it's a lovely movie. Uh, it takes all kinds of, of turns uh, from beginning to end. I love this movie and uh, highly recommend it. The Princess Bride is, uh, is based on a book that I read, and it's, uh, it's bizarre, to put it mildly. <laughs> But uh, it includes Andre the Giant, I think oh, yeah. his last movie, if I'm not uh, mistaken, and Im- impressive fighting scenes and, and knights and the pirate Robin, uh, Robert. The <laughs> Dread Pirate Robert. Dread yeah. Pirate Robert. <laughs> so it's, it's an entertaining uh, movie, a DVD. And it turned out that uh, we had misplaced it for a while. So this was our backup. So I... So this one is uh, is a special edition, and it's um, it was a duplicate. So I I thought that would be a good gift for for someone. And it's a giant reel. You have to have a projector oh. in your house. <laughs> no, it's a DVD. So if you don't mind, I'd like to give this away. Go for it. I always love to give away the goodie bags that come in. So if you would like to get your hands on Judd's goodies, just be the first one to tweet. Got to be on Twitter. Uh, just tweet with the hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And put at Judd's Hill, and that'll uh, pop up right away on my Twitter feed. First one to tweet gets Tom Rinaldi's copy, backup copy of The Princess Bride on DVD. I'll bring it over to the winery, Judd's Hill, that is. It'll be in the tasting room for the next few days, and if you're the winner, you can come pick it up. If not, I'm taking it home. I love this movie, and I don't have a copy, so I will enjoy that, too. We were talking about your Navy days, and in the break, I found something out that I think is fascinating about you. Besides being involved in, you know, some purely military stuff, you did some scientific research as well. You you would fly, and th- was this in Vietnam? You, you'd fly into hurricanes. We were flying into typhoons, so typhoons this would be in there. the South Pacific. They're yeah. hurricanes, but they go in a different direction. Right. This was back before the satellites existed, so our mission was typhoon tracking, and we would fly in at night into the eye of a typhoon. 
which meant at least 100 knots and up to and beyond 130 miles an hour of crazy storm clouds. So we would go in the eye, uh, oh, into the eye, and then start circling, had the navigator go up in the dome on the plane with a sexton looking for the North Star, <laughs> and he would read off the coordinates, <laughs> longitude, latitude. In the middle of a put those would put those on a map and then uh, see where we were the night before the night before yeah. and then just say, look out Taiwan or look out Okinawa or look out Hawaii, here it comes. I mean, and look out you, you're in the middle of a typhoon. <laughs> <laughs> What's that feel like? Well, I had a famous saying, I still use it, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. But um, there was plenty that could go wrong. We, we were very fortunate, uh, 35 penetrations in our, in our squadron, our number five, and uh, all successful. There were a couple of incidents with the other squadrons that were pretty, pretty uncomfortable, if you will, but mm. we, we were very fortunate. So how are you now as a flyer? You hit a little turbulence, means nothing to you, right? That's right. It doesn't, it's uh, good old memories, if you will, but there were a couple of times where you would be pinned to the ceiling or laying out on the floor <laughs> because we'd have to be moving from one screen to another and weren't really strapped in and, and watching, uh, you know, watching our manners. Hold on a minute. 130 mile per hour winds, you're flying through it and you're not buckled in? Occasionally, that's right. Quite often, we would have at least two people, maybe more, uh, who are having to float from position to position. And floating is it? Yes, yeah, that's right. You got zero gravity. You're holding on you're... firmly, let me put it that way. Wow, what an experience. Do you like those thrills today? Are you a roller coaster dude? Oh, you... uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've never been airsick. So that's uh, that's a step in the right direction, and uh, I, I do like the the spills and chills. How do you get your thrills these days? What do you do for fun? Well, it's I've calmed down a little bit, <laughs> but I'm still cycling quite a bit. We I have a group that we're out on uh, Saturday, I guess it was, went out uh, toward Carneros, and some of us peeled off and went over Oakville Grade by way of Dry Creek. And uh, there are 14 of us in the beginning, just flying along the Silverado Trail, enjoying the sunshine of a mm. very unusual February. That's that's a thrill for me. That's that's uh, that's enough excitement, that's if you will. A, you're a hardcore cyclist. I mean, you, that's part of part of who you are. That's part of your daily, maybe not daily, but that's part of your routine. Part of the routine, yeah. yeah. In fact, we were in Turkey last year, our group, and even encountered some snow. It was it was exciting. I put it mildly. Again, that saying come up, uh, would come up, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> we were riding our bicycles throughout Turkey. In the snow. In the snow. But then we got down to the coast, and it was beautiful weather, close to the GNC, and just uh, it got better and better as yeah. we went. You're a man of the world. You were also a glider pilot? Yeah, I did that for uh, several years. Uh, I'd, I'd say probably close to 20 out of Calistoga when we had the glider port up there. Mm -hmm. That's an exciting way to fly so we used to do things called touch and go with airplanes but you'd never do that with a glider <laughs> it's you? touch and stay yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can't get back up there again yeah what a i never did that but that must have been a beautiful way to see our valley at least the up valley it abs it's absolutely beautiful and i, I used to fly out of uh, minden nevada it's a great way to see in the sierra mountains there's lift there and and waves so that you can you can actually stay up for quite a long period of time. I think one of the longest periods was in the neighborhood of six or seven hours of, no of flying a glider on the currents and the waves uh, of, the, of the air. And you're able to get back to where you started from? That's the idea. <laughs> okay. Lauren, Always ever, made it back. Have you ever been on a glider, a powerless airplane? 
Actually, no, but I have been up uh, in an airplane and a helicopter before. You did a helicopter? Whoa, where'd you go helicoptering? <laughs> oh, 15 years ago out of Hayward. Did you have a good time? Was that a sightseeing thing, or were you uh, on it was a mission? from KGO News Talk A10. Oh, I, I, I should have known. Yeah, you and your, your, all your news pals. That's right. You would have gotten the newscopter. Cool. All right, Tom, let's, let's get back to you, the wine. What are you doing these days as a winemaker? I know you've got your consulting business. I have a very interesting um, job up in Washington. I've tried to get up there as often as I can. Now it's on Red Mountain. Very uh, pioneering, if you will, but uh, extraordinary fruit. It looks very, very much like the, 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 the future is very bright. I'm, I'm pleased. It's called Ambassador. Mm-hmm. And I have uh, one called Pellet. Uh, right here in, uh, in Napa Valley, yeah. local, yeah, this vin- vineyards in St. Helena on the west side, and, and we also draw from Sonoma County, from the Sun Chase Vineyard up in the hills, and I'm doing a couple of small operations, for, one for the gas guide, Stan Teeterman, oh, yeah, and yeah. it's been a fun, I've been doing it out at Oakville Wine Company, and a couple other very small projects. Yeah, do you do your own label? Have you ever done your own label? I do my own label. Uh, it's under the radar. I call it yeah. uh, Petit Verdot. I call it Research and Development. It has a different label every year. Oh yeah. The current one, I guess I could have brought a bottle. Uh, was uh, Lucky Thirteen. Every year is uh, based on the the theme of the year, f- starting with O six. O six was Quake. O six and Double O seven. <laughs> Niner, the yeah. 49er, the catch, uh, well, 10, going. perfect 10. Great. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I do this maybe three or four barrels. It's it's a very small vineyard. Got up to, well, I'm 15s in the barrel. Yeah. So it's, here we go. Yeah. It'll be, what, what are you calling that one? Well, that'll be Keensay. You know, play oh, with, the, sure. with the number 15, mm-hmm. too. There's a couple of puzzles that all add up to 15. Oh. It's a little more challenging. Uh, to, to come up with that one than it has in the past and still kind of a work in progress in my mind. I'm intrigued. Puzzles. Yeah. And this is one of the few vintages that won't be pure Petit Verdot. We accidentally drifted into the Sangiovese. Accidentally. And, like, yeah. oops. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> and the grower wanted to know, uh, you know, what would you do that for? And I said, and he was going to give them to me for nothing. And I, I, I paid for them to the same price as a Petit Verdot. Yeah. So they're, they're co, co-fermented, softened the wine considerably. So it'll probably be an early bottling, early release. All right. Something to look forward to. How do folks find out about this or don't they? Well, you got to be pretty much in my neighborhood and <laughs> at the right place at the right time. Will and you set up the stand some. in front of your house? No, no, no. <laughs> that's not quite legal. Get the neighborhood <laughs> you do that kids with lemonade. around in the wagon. <laughs> No, we just, it's family and friends. All right, so you don't have a website or no, anything like no, that? No, no, no. you're totally under the radar. Okay, well, I'll try to keep my ear to the ground. You know, I'm looking at you today, and you're always looking good, and you look very nice. You've got a nice button-down shirt and whatnot, but that's what surprised me. You showed up today in a button-down shirt, you know, with a button collar. and a. But this is not the Tom Rinaldi I'm used to seeing. This is not the Tom Rinaldi you usually put out in the world as your image because it's not an Aloha shirt. I kind of scared people uh, sometimes, especially if I'm cutting wood. I, I have long pants on. That's that's very what? unusual. Yeah, <laughs> you're not even noticing. You're sitting down. But I'm wearing shorts. There. Are you now. wearing pants? No worry. Yeah, no, I got. You're not I, I got the shorts. Like, I got Lauren, that part under. He's pantsless behind this desk. You told me. Knees. Oh no. Okay, you're right. Knees. Just okay. knees. Just knees. Okay, gotcha. All right. But no Aloha shirts. You're known. That's part yeah. of your the iconography of Tom Rinaldi is your Aloha. I shirt. went to the left 
side of the left closet instead of the right closet. The right closet's all <laughs> Aloha shirts. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little out of uniform, I will admit. You had suggested it might be cool here in the in the studio, but uh, That's true. I it's think not that bad. And I, in your honor, although I wear them almost every day too, but I was thinking especially today, we can get a photo, we'll be twinsies, I got my vintage oh. Aloha, but we'll set it up another time. But I always like that about you. You know, you've got the good attitude about life. You're almost always smiling. You've got something to laugh about. You've got the Aloha shirt. You're in your shorts. You're just casual. Obviously, you've made wine your career, so you take it seriously. But the the air you put out there is not of the serious, stuffy, you know, upper crusty, snooty winemaker. That is certainly an image I'm always trying to bust as well. Great. Yeah, that's the idea. I hear you. I'll remember, I hope you remember this, a few years ago I was making a presentation to the general meeting of the Napa Valley Vintners Association. It was right before auction Napa Valley, and I was giving the report on how outreach to our community um, is going and what the perception of auction Napa Valley. That was my, that was my speech, my, my talk. So going out into the community and talking to folks at different business groups and, and whatnot, some of the feedback... I would get is, wow, there's just, you know, there's a lot of traffic over that weekend. It's hard to get around. There's a bunch of parties that, you know, I'm not invited to happening. And it's just a big fashion show for the Vintners. And that's the one that like clicked in my head. So you remember where I'm going with this? I hope so. I love And I love this about you. So I got up and I've, I think I had this uh, jacket that buttoned all the way up to my collar. I looked very strange, I think, to people. And I talked very kind of slowly and purposefully about what I had been doing and the people I'd been talking to. And I got to the fashion show comment and I said, and people think it's just a fashion show for all the vintners. So let's get it started, you know? And I unzipped and I had this ruffled tuxedo on and this cheesy organ music started. And and you were so gracious and a good sport. You were one of the models. I started having, I think there was three different um, pretty famous winemakers came waltzing down the aisle, uh, sporting something. Uh, you. You had something really elegant. What was it? It was, it was kind of. Was it silken? It was. It was beautiful, but but I would say you know here comes Tom and what he's wearing says I've helped raise one hundred million dollars for our local community <laughs> hospital and education. You know, put it into the positive spin of what it does for the community. But you, you just you you came down the catwalk and you, you were great. You didn't you didn't hesitate when I asked you to do this. You just said let's do it. You, great sense of humor and I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we have memory. premier auction coming up. Uh, yeah. There'll be a lot of people from all around the country. You see them maybe once or twice a year if you're lucky, and that's 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 a thrill. It's it's great to 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 come up and chat about old times, uh, and that'll that'll certainly happen a lot. Yeah, great big gathering there. Also, we we appeared in a movie together, Rudy McLean's Mare Love, which uh, we're starting to run low on time, but I would I want people to go look that movie up. It's like Merlot, but it's Mare Love. It talks about the love of Merlot. Google that, Merlot, the movie. I'm in there a little bit, but Tom, I think you've got a little more screen time than I do, which is only fair. It was our answer to yeah. uh, Sideways. That's right. And that was, that was a fun film. i got to ask you something that's on, uh, on everyone's mind, and I'd like you to be honest. If you feel it's too personal, you don't have to, but you know, we are on the record, so keep that in mind. And that is, Tom, do you go nuts for donuts? No, I don't go nuts for donuts. You don't go nuts for donuts? No. Even with all your healthy uh, ways of biking, you don't well, go, I can't tempt you with one of these gorgeous... Oh, I'll have one when we're... 
little okay. off the record. Here's, okay, so we learned something about you. You don't go nuts, even though they... Yeah. Oh, they smell so good. Look at that so selection, colorful. Lauren. Well, the guess pink what? Box. I go nuts for donuts. So, Lauren, it's your lucky day. Colin uh, Kaminsky out there coming in for the beer show. Guess what? These donuts are yours today. <laughs> but, Tom, what I'd like you to do is at least visually select one of those donuts and, you know, point which one... Which one do you think? Oh, he goes for the glazed buttermilk nub. Mm. So looking at that glazed buttermilk nub, it's kind of hard when you're not eating. I was going to say, what would you try to imagine what it tastes like in, in, on your palate and which one of your personal wines that you've made since 1976 <laughs> do you think would go with that glazed buttermilk nub and why? Well, I think in five just seconds, wildly guessing it would be a Chardonnay from the first vintage, nineteen seventy six, at Fremark Abbey Winery. Older Chard, taking yeah. on that kind of nutty, earthy, oxidized a little, might go with that sweet. Yeah, I yeah. think that'd be delightful. I'm putting words in your mouth, but no, no, yeah. no. I think it'd be just a delightful. It, it'd be almost sherry uh, with those those tones of oxidation but this the sweetness would overwhelm that i think they'd be a great combination all right all you collectors if you have a 76 freemark Avi chardonnay head down to butter <laughs> buttercream bakery get a buttermilk nub or get on uh, winebid.com see if you can find one of those bottles get down and get your donut and now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on judd's napa valley show this is madeline that's right it's time to play our favorite fill in the blank word game tom rinaldi you know how this works I'm going to ask you, well, you know how it works. Here we go. I need a number, any number. Let's go with three. Three. And I'm going to need an adjective. Should be good. You're a winemaker. You know descriptors. How about big? Colossal. Colossal. Another adjective. Even bigger. Gargantuan. Uh, Gargantuan. A geographic location. Well... I was there, I've been there almost every January, and it's South Carolina, and it's up in the Blue Ridge Mountains. Blue Ridge Mountains of South yeah, Carolina. fresh on my mind. Okay, got it. Blue Ridge Mountains. We need a plural noun. Plural noun. Oh, hamsters. Hamsters, got it. A, another plural noun. Mm, bowling balls. <laughs> bowling balls. Okay, another plural noun. Ooh. Well, I see them right here. Telephones. 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 All right. Another plural noun. I only see one, but I'll say coffee cups. Coffee cups. Another plural noun. Oh, I see one in the next room over. Surfboards. <laughs> okay, great. And finally, another plural noun. How I got here. Pickup trucks. Pickup trucks. Here we go. Earlier today, I went online and found some biographical information about you culled from a couple different websites and blogs. Put it together. You've just rewritten some of it right now via this. Mad Libs, here we go. <clears throat> Tom Rinaldi has made wines at some of Napa Valley's most important wineries. Throughout his three years of Napa Valley winemaking, <laughs> congratulations on three years down, Tom Rinaldi has remained thrilled that his life's work involves creating something colossal to share with others. What do you think? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's a quote from you. It's a privilege to work with the gargantuan fruit from the Rutherford, Oakville, and Blue Ridge Mountains of South Carolina district to craft these wines. <laughs> <laughs> Rinaldi manages to have fun doing other things, too. For example, he enjoys meeting with other longtime Napa Valley hamsters. 
They discuss bowling balls, <laughs> telephones, coffee cups, and what they like and don't like about the surfboards they taste. Oh, yeah. Uh, Waxy. Oh, yeah. They, they just don't go well. No. In his spare time, he cycles and flies pickup trucks. Tom Rinaldi, <laughs> thanks for being here. Oh, pleasure. Thank you very much. This is Lauren Bull speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.